there's an adage in the world that says you can go faster alone or further together. Well, in multifamily, you can go faster and further together. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Cameron Roy. Cameron, how are you doing today? Hey, Todd. I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent, man. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the show. A little bit about Cam, and then I'll let him uh, explain the rest. But uh, he has he started in real estate. How, How how long ago was it, Cam, that you started exploring? I guess real estate. Yeah, I'd say exploring was just at the end of 2018. Okay. The awesome. Flow quadrant book and then everything snowballed happened. quickly from there. So one, one of the cool things, uh, you know, Cam, I've had the pleasure of working with Cam um, for a while now and he, his first property uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am. His first property is 120 unit property. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So People always ask me all the time, can we get in there? Oh, you know, I got to buy that duplex. I just had a conversation with the guy yesterday. He's like, I want to buy a duplex, maybe up to a sixplex and eventually work my way up. And, and I love using you and a couple others as an example going, well, look, I know a guy who his first deal was a 120 unit apartment complex. And I kind of explained a little bit about how you did it. And, and it's just like, it shifts people's paradigm. Like, whoa, I, I didn't know we could actually do that. So, so super cool. 120 units, uh, first deal. And uh, now you're raising, uh, now you got a, a fund you're doing, uh, the Common Good Fund. And so we'll, we'll dive into that. Uh, another really cool thing that I think is just unique. You figured out the position you and your wife were in and decided, you know what? I'm real estate's my jam. And this is what I'm going to do. And so I'm burning the, I'm burning the ship and you quit your job prior to closing on your first deal. Yeah. That I'm all in. This is, this is where I'm concentrating. This is what I'm doing and I'm going to make it work. So, all right. So let's, why don't, why don't you fill, fill us in a little bit more your background or, or anything any key highlights you want us to, to make sure we know about you. And then I'm just going to start blasting you with questions. Sure. Sounds great. Um, so something to know about me is I, um, just so if, you know, if you're in my boat and you think, you, you know, you can't do something like I've done, just let you know where I come from. I come from a very, very small town in far West Texas. My graduating high school class was 77 people. I was number 17. I didn't get accepted originally into the college I eventually graduated from because I just was a poor student. Um, I was a poor college student as well. I studied business management and I got the degree and all, but you know, I barely got through college. Um, I did manual labor jobs most of my life growing up, working on the farm, doing landscaping, uh, taking care of swimming pools. So my mom was in education her whole life, still is. My dad, most of his life sold used cars. Now he works in the oil field. Um, as a salesman in West Texas. So, you know, I come from very, very middle-class upbringing, Um, nothing special. So just to let you guys know, I didn't, you know, get this silver platter handed to me. I, I, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not against that. And I think it's awesome if people have that. But when Todd says 120 units, the immediate thought could be, yeah. well, I had a rich uncle who wrote a check. Yeah. Not at all. Yep. Yep. I get a lot of people that'll say that to me. Well, it must be nice having rich parents. I'm like, yeah, for some people, I don't, <laughs> but not me. You know, yes. it's, it's funny. And your mom's got to be just thoroughly disappointed. You were a bad student and she's an education. Yes. She <laughs> taught English for a oh lot of years. She does special ed now. And I failed a few English state tests. So I don't know if they were going to fire her because I made her look bad or what, but boy, yeah. wasn't a good look for mother. That's funny. That's funny. So Cam, uh, like, how do you, how do you go about, let's take, take me through that process of, you know, first of all, let's talk mindset quickly. Mm. 120 unit. How did you, how did you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I want to buy a big apartment building instead of buying the duplex, buying the 10 unit, buying the 20 unit. That sounds big. How did you go? I want to buy something big. Like, was there, was there a shift that happened or was it always there? Yeah. Education cures ignorance. Mm. And a lot of people I know, and this is part of my story, think, well, I've got to start small to go big hear me. There's nothing wrong with doing smaller deals. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing single family properties your whole life. I don't have a problem with it. I do have a problem if you're doing it on the belief that that's what you have to do to go big. Yeah. Maybe you just like single family more than multifamily, but there is a, a misconception out there that you have to start small before you can go big. And the more I educated myself, the more books I read, the more questions I asked, the more I surrounded myself around people who have experience, I realized that's a total myth. And in my ignorance, I believed it. I've cured that because I've educated myself. I now know I can buy bigger properties faster. I love it. I love it. So how did you find that big property? What'd you, what'd you do? What kind of steps can you, other people maybe take or learn from that you took? Yeah, it's, this is a, a team sport. So whenever I quit my day job, I was kind of going at my own pace, trying to get my own deals, my own opportunities. And I realized quickly, this is a team sport. And if you can surround yourself with key team players, you can score a goal, a touchdown or whatever, a lot faster. Um, leveraging their skills and abilities. And so that's what I did. I, I spent a lot more time at one point developing relationships with people who are where I want to be in 10 years, figured how I could add value to them, brought my value to the table, partnered with them and did a deal with them. You know, it's a concept of, would you rather own an entire grape or a slice of watermelon? And for me, I'd, I'd like a slice of watermelon because it is more quantity. It's bigger, even though it's not the entirety of the of the fruit. And so sure, maybe I could go buy single family homes on my own. I'd rather buy a, a, a apartment complex with people and have a piece of it um, as an owner, you know, if that's an option, which it is. It, it reminds me when you started talking there, it reminds me of my son's, my son is, is eight and he plays hockey and he's playing on this triple A hockey team. They're playing. And so it's, so it's a little higher level and they're playing against these other kids in this tournament. And for the first, you know, period, it's pretty much a tie game. 
Second period comes out. The other team starts winning a little bit, you know, a couple goals. And by the third period, they're just crushing our team. And the whole reason is because our kids were not passing the puck. The other team was passing the puck, pass the puck, and you'll go a lot further, faster. You cannot skate faster than you can pass the puck and you can't deke around every single person on the team unless you're passing the puck. So it just, it just kind of, when you were talking about that, I mean, it totally reminded me of them playing hockey and I watched it just two days ago. He played again and his team was passing the puck and they looked so good and they beat the other team by a big margin because they passed the puck. It was, it was fun. That's a great analogy. It's the truth. There's an adage in the world that says you can go faster alone or further together. Well, multifamily, you can go faster and further together. Okay. Mm -hmm. The quicker you can partner with people, the faster you can run and the further you can go. Um, so yep. get beyond the thought of, I got to do it myself. No, you don't. And to be quite frank, you really can't unless you're an anomaly. And I'm, yeah. I know there are some out there. 99% of people are not anomalies. We're just average ordinary people trying to make this thing work. Well, and even if you can, so you can, but if you can, again, it's going to take you a lot longer to get to that process, right? Yep. A lot to get to that point, it's going to take you a lot more deals. And then to be successful at it continually, it's going to take a lot more and you're not going to be able to grow nearly as quickly. Right. So hundred percent agree. Sure. Can you do it by yourself? Yes. But can you do it better with others? Absolutely. I love it. So you did that deal. What, what next? Where, like, what are you doing right now? I know you've got a couple of things going on. So let's, let's talk about where you're going, where you're at right now. Yeah, sure. So um, throughout the process of that first deal and just being involved in this world of multifamily real estate, I learned along the way too, that there are things that I'm good at. There are things I'm not good at, and there are things I like doing and not like doing. So I know how to underwrite a property. I know how to do diligence on a property. I know how to do a lot of things, but what I've learned and discovered my gifts are and things I'm really good at is investor relation, raising capital, um, connecting with people who want to passively invest in real estate. Maybe they love their W-2 job or their 1099 or whatever, and they don't want to be actively involved in multifamily real estate just passively. I love connecting with people like that and providing them deal opportunity. So what I'm doing now is I've created a fund to funds model to where instead of me going out, finding the deal, underwriting the deal, I'm partnering with really good operators who I know, like, and trust already have good relationships with, and I'm going to help them solve their capital problems. So they get good deal flow because they're experienced. They're on the first call of the broker's list. And instead of compete with those people trying to shove my way onto that list, I want to come in and support them in the secondary position as a capital partner through a fund I'm creating. And so it's called the common good fund. Um, and, you know, our goal and aspiration is to partner with people who have an uh, impact mindset for the community, for the tenants, for everybody involved. So we love operators that love to give back. So in some way, shape, or form, their deal um, or their operations need to support um, in some way 
giving generosity. And it's not just so much of a monetary thing, although it is like, we want to know that these people truly care about other people rather than just their own pockets. And so we're only deploying money from our fund into good deals that we like and vet into good operators that we know, like, and trust. Are you guys uh, participating in any of that giving um, either monetarily or, you know, the physical giving or, or is, is your common good fund doing any of that as well? Yeah. Every single deal we do um, is going to be influenced directly um, through the asset and the profits in the asset to nonprofits, organizations, charities that we all agree upon. Um, I heard an investor recently, I was talking to him kind of about this model and they said, it, you know, it's kind of like passive philanthropy. I get to be philanthropic and I get to make a return on my investments. That's a win-win for a lot of people who, especially who are older and want to start moving yeah. into legacy living. Um, so, yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. I get a lot of investors that like the idea. We, we, uh, we, we try to do a lot to give back to the communities and to our residents. And um, I get a lot of investors that are very attracted by that. And I don't force any of them to give. I've thought about doing it like thought about just making it part of the, uh, the raise, but I haven't yet. Um, but either way, they, they just love that idea. And so I think that's, that's amazing. I love the name, the common good fund. I think that's really cool. And, uh, so yeah, that's, a, that's, that's exciting. Do you have any deals you guys are, are looking at? Have you, have you put money into deals yet? Or is it where, where are you at with that? Um, yeah. So real quick, just since you love the name, I just want to tell you where it came from. Uh, and so uh, my business partner and I, just for everybody knows, we're, we're guys of faith. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, in Corinthians, Paul's talking to the church and they're arguing about their spiritual gifts. Well, I've got tongues or I've got healing or he's got prophecy or I want this one and that one. And he says, each one of you is given his own gift for the common good of man to serve mm -hmm. the common good. And my business partner and I have realized we are not the end all be all for anybody. We're just taking our skills, abilities, and competencies and partnering with other people who have, um, you know, value adding competencies, putting all of our resources together for the common good of the tenants, of the investors, of the operators, using all of our individual gifts for everybody's good. So that's where the name came from. That's beautiful, man. I love that. Um, and as far as what we have going now, yeah, we're actually... Um, closing at the end of this month on a 384 unit property mm -hmm. in Florida. Um, and so just grinding, getting all that squared away, raising capital for that. It's a big, big purchase, cool opportunity, great operators that we're partnered with. And so it's go time right now. <laughs> Let's talk about tips for raising capital. A lot of people get pretty nervous about raising capital. Mm -hmm. First of all, what comes first, capital or the deal? <laughs> Um, well, it's like, is the chicken or egg come first? Um, I know a lot of people who have capital before they have deals. And I know a lot of people who have so much deal flow, they can't source their capital. Um, so for me, what I do is, is being an investor relations guys, I, I'm trying to make sure that I've always got capital ready to deploy, um, through continual building relationships with my investors and growing those relationships so that when we find deals that we want to be part of, you know, we send an email and, and our fund is just loaded, ready to rock and roll. Um, so it's, it's who you are, what you're really doing, what you're 
you know, trying to accomplish, but you have to have both. You have to have the deal and the money. And if you don't got the money, it doesn't matter if you have a deal. Um, so <laughs> I guess it depends. <laughs> so let's, let's talk tips, tips for raising capital. Yeah. What are your like three, maybe three critical things that, uh, you can pass down to us for, for raising capital? Yeah. The, the, the thing I learned the most, and I've known this my whole life, all of you probably have as well, but it is so true in this world. Do not count your chickens before they hatch. Mm, so important. There are going to be multiple times when well-intentioned people, maybe your own family that you have great relationship with say, yeah, count me in for 50 K or count me in for hundred K or whatever. And then when it's time to wire funds, you don't hear from them and they ghost you. And that is life. I mean, people have things going on. Maybe something came up and they're too, they're too embarrassed to tell you they can't invest or they're scared. Or they're just not sure. And they would rather just not have the hard conversation. But in my first deal, you know, there was some significant amount of money that I was anticipating being deployed um, with me. And I just never heard back from those people after multiple conversations about the deal. So don't ever count your chickens before they hatch. Anticipate, but don't, you know, don't hold your hopes on those things. If the money's not wired, they're not an investor. Um, that's number one. Two, I would say no one is going to give you money unless you ask for it. So at the end of the day, you know, put on your best salesman hat because we're all in sales and ask for the sale. You know, if it if the deal makes sense between you and the potential investor and all you know interest and values or whatever aligned, um, you know, ask, hey, what would prevent you from deploying your fifty thousand dollars today, and have that conversation? If there is something, work through it. Maybe they're not your investor. Maybe you need to answer some more questions, um, but always ask for the sale, ask for the investment. Um, and then three, I would say, have your time management well managed. Because if you're creating a lot of online presence, trying to draw a crowd, trying to draw an audience, connect with people, and you're not well managed with your time, I cannot tell you how many times I personally and other people I know have double booked or been double booked. And, you know, one investor may see that as just you're not sufficient with your time and you're not therefore competent. And why would they trust you with a hundred grand if they can't trust you with 30 minutes? So make sure that if you're going to be putting yourself out there to raise capital and talk with investors that you have a Calendly that's really nice and updated, you know, when you can meet, you know, when you can answer the phone or jump on the zoom call and I know that may sound odd, but that just has been so true for me over the past few years. Yeah, I think that's super important. Hold your meetings too, um, as much as you can. Stuff comes up, quite frankly, you and I were supposed to talk at 2.30. Luckily, you had a little bit of flexibility, um, but try to hold your meetings as much as you can and uh, don't miss them. Don't, if, if you have to miss it, you have to reschedule it. You have to be in to on top of it. Um, so make sure you're doing that. Yep. Um, I mean, a lot of it comes down to communication. I like that you mentioned don't count your money until it actually hits. I can remember my very first larger raise. I had an investor. It was a it was a million dollar raise, just slightly under. And I had an investor that told me he was 
like, yeah, he's going to invest and, you know, he's got up to a million dollars to invest. Uh, and you'd expect to invest, you know, two, two to $300,000 and he invested nothing. And I, <laughs> Heartbreaker. I, it, it was, and I, I counted it on him. I mean, yep. I wasn't, I approached it totally different than I approach it now, but I, I wasn't doing a, a raise like I do. I was just calling a couple people that had told me that they were going to invest and he didn't and several other people didn't invest in the deal. And it, I took it personally. You kind of take it personally sometimes. Now it's like, sure. I don't take it personally at all. Cause like you said, there's so many things that can happen. There's, there's so many reasons they can't invest or don't invest. And a lot of it's just comfort. Like, look, I mean, that was your, that was your first deal you're raising on. They're not quite ready. Even though they like you, even though they trust you, even though they've known you for a while, they're maybe not quite ready to put 50 K with you. Cause they're, just not quite sure. Like they want to see how it works out. Yeah. And you got to assume the best. I mean, if you assume the worst, then it's going to come through on your next phone call, your next yeah. email. Like you always want to let people know in, in almost all cases, I assume, Hey, you're there at any point that they change their mind. Hmm. I like it. And I if like you're, it. if you're putting off this, Hey, why didn't you answer my phone calls? Why didn't you return my emails versus Hey man, I uh, just want to touch base. We, we are fully funded. Sorry to miss you on this one. Hope you're well. I will touch base with you on the next one and see if we can rock and roll. Take care. I'm here for you if you need anything. That is so much better than, Hey, I haven't heard from you. Where are you? Or gee, thanks. I was expecting your 50 K, but now I'm short. I mean, you have to assume the best in people, even yep. though not everybody is the best. It just is going to do better for you in the long run. Yeah. And you can't put yourself in that needy position either. No, you don't want to be needy. People can smell needy from miles away. Let's talk about online presence a little bit and what, what you've done to build a, a little bit of an online presence and, and, you know, some key things that other people can take from you. Yeah. It's, it's one, it comes back to the mindset too. Like whenever I quit my corporate job, I remember whenever I called you, and told you I did that and I was rambling on. And then after I stopped talking, you said, wait, did I just hear you say you quit your job and you don't have a deal? I was like, yeah, cause I'm a syndicator. I'm not a salesman anymore. And it was just coming, adopting this mindset of I, this is what I do now. This is who I am. Yep. And that will come through in your online presence and the content you post, the content you comment on, the videos you create, the podcast you create, the blogs, whatever. And so I would say, you know, my downfall too has been inconsistency in online presence. Mm. You know, I'll get very good about creating good content for weeks on end and then I'll lose it. And I, it's like, okay, there's a few YouTube channels I've subscribed to, like a good cook, cool cooking channel, um, some other things. And they put out videos a certain time each week. And me as the consumer, I've gone to YouTube before. And if, if the video is not out that day, I'm like, what the heck? Every Thursday, one o'clock, a video is supposed to drop. Like, I want to assume that people are looking at me if I'm posting consistent content like that. They probably aren't because really, who am I other than just a nobody? But if I treat it like people are expecting me to put out valuable content for them, maybe to uplift them, to educate them, to encourage them, to inspire them, whatever, I need to make sure that is getting pumped out through whatever means necessary. And time blocking helps with that, you know, sit down a few hours a week, make multiple videos, make multiple blogs, comment around on LinkedIn, Facebook, bigger pockets, Instagram, whatever. But 
always be adding value online for free. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's a mistake that you've made in this, this journey? How have you learned from it? How can you teach others about it? A mistake I've learned in this journey is saying yes to everything. <laughs> um, I've spent a lot of money on myself in the past few years, yeah. like investing yourself and you need to be willing to invest in yourself. You know, if you're not willing to invest you know, money into yourself, why would you be, think you're going to make money based on yourself? You know, you need to be willing to invest, but there are things I've spent money on. I've spent time on energy, mental capacity that I thought was the thing. Like once I sign up for this or once I pay for this or do this or show up here, it's just going to start clicking. Not everything is necessary. Not every book is necessary. Not every course is necessary. Not every group, not every conference. And so you don't need to say yes to everything. And I used to think you did. So if you, I've probably been on other podcasts where I've said, say yes, show up to everything. Okay. You don't need to be selective, show up to things that you really think you're going to get value out of, but you don't need to be a part of three masterminds. You don't need to have a subscription to 10 underwriting models. <laughs> you don't need to read the next book. Those are fine things, but you don't really need to say yes to everything that people are promoting you buy into in this industry. Yeah, that, that's that's so cool. Let's let's keep on that topic, uh, education. What kind of things did you do that you found the most valuable? What were the education? You know, let's call it platforms and you know, the, the the type of things that you did that you found the most valuable to push you to the next level to be able to get you know, to where you're at today. Yeah. So, um, the very first thing I did, which is the most valuable, as you obviously know, is connected with you and asked you to be our coach. So, um, you know, I was in the position of like, okay, here's where I want to be in 10 years. Who's somebody who's already there. Can they teach me? Can they coach me? You had, you know, a great coaching program and submitted to you just teaching for, you know, better half of six months to learn all the ins and outs, the nitty gritty, the unglorified things in this business. So getting a coach is incredible and you need a coach like, oh, you know, on the job training is the best training. Like I tell people this often, like the book, the Cash Flow quadrant to me is more valuable than my D one business degree education. It just is. Yeah. And, um, you need to be willing to invest in your education. I joined a, um, a mastermind. And from there I met some business partners and I've had some deal opportunities. So I am part of a mastermind community of people I know, like, and trust and um, have a lot of similarities with. So getting around people that are running, you know, if, if, you know, what's a, a rising tide uh, lifts all, all boats. Like if yeah. you jump into the Colorado river and it's moving, whether you like it or not, you're going to be swept off your feet and moving. So get out of those stagnant pools of water and find where the water's flowing and cannonball in, and you're just going to be moving. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with the right people, getting involved. Uh, like you said, you can't say yes to everything. You got to right. choose the ones that are right for you. And exactly. And so choosing the mastermind group that clicks with your identity, with who you are, uh, that's super important. You can choose, there's a lot of mastermind groups, but you got to choose the one that you're going to click with too. Yes. There are a lot of mastermind groups. And so even though I said, don't say yes to everything, be selective. I mean, I'm a part of a mastermind. Uh, I hired Todd, you as my coach a long time ago, well you know, worth tenfold what I paid you. I mean, it just like buy books, you know, but 
yeah, get around people who are doing what you want to be doing and make sure you like them. But um, yeah, you got to surround yourself with those people running. So Cam, um, you know, we could keep on talking for a while here, but I want to, I want to wrap up. I know you gotta, you gotta go here too. So um, you've, you've mentioned a book already. So let's mention a different book. What's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners that isn't the cash flow quadrant? The best book. I hate word. I hate the word best, but I may have to use it here. The best book I ever read that inspired me, that encouraged me, that made me believe I could do multifamily real estate was Multifamily Millions by David Lindhall. Mm, and it was recommended to you whenever you were you know, coaching me. Yeah. Um, and that book was so easy to read, so good, so valuable. Um, just inspiring me where I came from, who I am, what I haven't done in my life that I could do this. I could buy apartment complexes. I could syndicate deals. I could raise a lot of money. Yeah. I could have a giant portfolio. So that book is huge. That's awesome. I love that book. Um, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? What are my three pillars of wealth creation? Yep. Wow. That's a great question, Todd. Give me one of yours so I can know how to reference that. <laughs> Look, it could be anything either. It could be, you know, a lot of people answer like, hey, but real estate and uh, businesses, that type of stuff. Or a lot of people will say, you know, mm. more, more on, uh, you know, look, you, you, you need to have faith. You need to have, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So the, my three pillars of wealth creation are see everybody as a person of value and seek to add value to them. Ooh, I love that. I've never heard that one. That's, that's great. <laughs> um, have a generous heart that flows out through your hands and always be willing to serve. Even if it's the dishes at Christmas, be willing to serve. And I really believe just through people I know, stories I've heard, the faith I have, that you, you live like that, you do those things, the world is yours and all that is in it. Yeah. Powerful, man. Powerful. Well, we're going to capture that and we're going to uh, send us off on that, on that note. <laughs> Cam, how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about what you got going on, uh, talk to you about the common good fund, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. You can, uh, you can email me. You can go to Cameron at CameronRoy.com. That's my email address. My website's CameronRoy.com. Um, have a podcast I'll be releasing in the near future called the multifamily millennial talk about just stories of the multifamily investing world and how it's changed people's lives. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and I love talking to people. So I'm happy to connect with anyone, be a resource, answer questions, whatever. Cam, I've been waiting for your podcast to come out. When's it coming out? It should be coming out. Give me in, a date. Give me, uh, give me an actual date. I want to know. And then my way, my listeners too, can mark that on their calendar and know when they can listen to you. Okay. Cause you're, you're, it's like the, the words that you say, some of these words, uh, like I want to keep on hearing more, man. <laughs> okay. So we'll, you can hold me, um, to July 31st. Oh, come on. Sooner than that. No, I can't Todd. I, I okay. have a, okay. I've July got a 31st. Mark it on your calendars. 
and it's called the millennial, the multifamily millennial, the multifamily millennial. So we'll put that in the show notes. Is it going to have a website? Multifamily millennial. There'll be a link uh, to it on my website, CameronRoy.com. Got it. So we'll put that on the, in the show notes for everybody. July 31st, you're going to be able to listen to cam all the time. Yeah, Y'all got to listen. Cause I'm going to interview Todd and uh, you'll get to hear me grill him. <laughs> Love it. Well, appreciate you joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks Todd. I appreciate you, man. Always. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.